This is Vanna Bells in Carson City, Nevada, USA. You're listening to I Love This, You Should Too with Indy Rondawa and Samantha Hees. You're listening to I Love This, You Should Too, a podcast. This is Indy. You're Indy? No, you're Indy. Sorry. Yes, I'm Indy. That is Indy. Hello, everyone. I'm Samantha. And uh, we are here for a very special bonus episode, which is also our 30th episode. So often we do movies where Samantha thinks it's good and then I don't and we argue about it so it's really nice to have one we can both agree on not because we both think it's great but because we both think it's terrible garbage i believe is the word i would use so we are talking about the movie love actually and if you haven't seen this movie oh maybe i'll try to describe it if you're looking for a christmas movie that is like rated a hard r Seems like it was both written and directed by a horny 13-year-old boy. (laughs) A movie that references the terrorist attacks of 9-11 in the first two minutes. A movie that takes place in a large part on a porn set and has a lot of nudity. A movie that makes reference to how bad Britney Spears is at having sex. That teaches women that only their appearance matters. And teaches men that, you know what, if you just like a girl, they're going to like you back because you deserve it. Yes. Women are your objects. And has depictions of violent mental illness and shows you that love isn't determined by anything more than physical proximity. Then this is the Christmas movie for you. <laughs> when did you first see this? Um, uh, Probably like late 2000s. Okay. So not right when it came out. No. And going into it, did you think that you were going to like it? Um, I think I thought it was like a Christmas movie that I might be into. It seems like it should be. Yeah. Um, I did not realize that it was rated R until we watched it today. Yeah, there's, they say fuck in this movie a lot. And there's boobs. Yeah. And all sorts of stuff. And just shots of women's crotches and breasts. And it really like zooms in and lingers. And it's quite uncomfortable. Uh, so what you're telling me is that you did not like this movie. No, I saw it for the first time actually just a couple of years ago. I put it off because I thought I just wouldn't like it because like, oh, it's probably just like typical and like saccharine and sweet, but it'll probably be nice, but I won't love it. Yeah. In the end, I watched it and I was baffled because this has become like one of the bigger christmas classics like yes. modern classics yes with like modern actors who are still acting today it's it's baffling is a good way to put it because so many people claim that oh the, every christmas i have to watch love actually and it's not like this was a movie like some of those John Hughes ones from the 80s where you look at certain parts and you're like, oh, that didn't age well. I'm like, yes, it was the 80s. And you yeah. kind of forgive it. This is from 2003. It's yeah, not it's like not this old. is a different world where where you can say these things and it's fine. Yeah. It's not like you can just claim ignorance of like, oh, it's a different time. We didn't know that. You can just constantly call women fat and it's offensive. Like, well, first of all, you couldn't do that in any time. No. But in 2003, it's not like this is so, so old that it's a different world. No. 
uh, I really found some of the things kind of unsettling that they were included in this movie. And uh, other things were like, I could see what they were going for. And had it been like half of the amount of story, it might have actually been an okay movie. Yeah, there's there's parts. And this is one that can... I think trick you because it's well made, it's Uh well acted, so you're less likely to pick it apart because you just look at it, and if you're not paying attention to what people say, you're like, oh, this is a nice sweet Christmas movie, and then you actually listen to what's happening, you're like, oh, dear God, why? Why? It's not even that it gets romance a little off, it seems to be an anti-romance movie, but it's not perceived that way and I don't think it was done that way with any intent it's not like it was done as a commentary on romance about saying like look how trivial we can make it and all of your romance movies are sham like no it's not doing that it it thinks it is being very romantic but it's again written by someone who has a very skewed and offensive take on what romance is apparently yes well let's really get into the plot of love actually Um, maybe we should go each story by story because there are like 96 different plots in this Uh, movie. There's eight, but yes, it felt like 96. (laughs) So let's start off with Prime Minister Hugh Grant, since he starts off the narration of the movie and says, love actually is all around us. And it shows those words on screen because I don't know. Why not? Because you can't just say things. We have to be able to read it. Right. That's true. Or else we won't believe it. No. I believe anything I read. Noted. (laughs) Um, So David, Prime Minister David. Oh, is his name David? David, yeah. I didn't know that. So Prime Minister David, we first see him moving into Downing Street. Yeah, so it's his first day as Prime Minister. We take it that he was newly elected and he's meeting his new staff. And then he meets Natalie. And what do we know about Natalie? That she's apparently fat. She's so fat. So fat that anytime anyone mentions her, they have to throw in a little jab of like, oh, the fat one? Oh, the one with the giant thighs? Oh, the chubby oh, one? Oh, that one that is so huge they're just fucking unlovable, that one? <laughs> so first of all, she's not large. No. By any imagination. No. Like, she's, she's not big. Like, I wouldn't, in, I wouldn't even refer to her as like... A bigger girl. No, not she's at all. Skinny. She's like, I go. I don't know, like average-ish. Uh, yeah. But Maybe never so much that you would average, yeah. even comment on it. No. And then even if she was very, very large, why? Why, why do we need to point it out at every opportunity? It's not necessary, and I think it it's very um, almost rude. Almost rude. It's incredibly rude. It's just like her daddy even was like, hey, fatty, get down here. What did he call her? Blubby? Chubby? Blubster? Chubster? (laughs) Blubby. Yeah, that's like blubby. So even her family doesn't think she's beautiful or skinny or like any of those things. Yeah. And in this movie, because there's so many plots, even though this is a big one, she probably only has like really a few lines. Yeah. And she is called fat. Seven times. Oh, you counted. Yeah. Of course you did. Everyone is called fat a lot. Yeah. If you are fat or gay, we're going to we're gonna find out and we're going to let you know. Oh, yeah. No one's gay, of course, because you can't have that in this movie. But Mm-mm. that's the worst thing that someone could be besides fat. Is they, they always say like, oh, this person must be gay. And like, there's all these little gay jokes in it because hilarious calling someone gay. 
Uh, what did you think of the U.S. president played by Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah, so Billy Bob comes in, and um, this has kind of predicted the future a little bit, because mm-hmm. now they have a president who just comes in and uh, sexually assaults people. Yeah, So literally. Before, I thought, like, what? How could this person be president? And here we are. And, um, oh. yeah, someone much worse is president. Yeah. So there you go. So I guess it's true to life. I thought it's comic booky and silly that how... How terrible he was, but no, you can. That's how presidents are now. So. It was foreshadowing. Yeah. For now. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me very sad when you point that out. So Natalie is fired or demoted at least for yes. being sexually assaulted. Basically. Yeah. Uh, which is not okay. <laughs> yeah, and then she apologizes for this for being sexually assaulted, yes. or at least attempted sexual assault. Yeah. Uh, which is also not okay. I feel like in this day and age, that is uh, that is very much not allowed. And so much of what we're going to talk about is probably less about getting into themes, how things were shot, and more just, hey world, these are the things that happened in this movie. Are you okay with that and still, <laughs> lo- and still loving this movie? Because yeah. you shouldn't be. It's a... Uh... Like, to say problematic is putting it pretty lightly. Yes, it is incredibly problematic in multiple ways. It's lazy, it's problematic, it is a bad movie. You need to stop saying that this movie's great. But it's everybody's favorite. Yeah. You have to watch it every Christmas. (laughs) I'm so glad you're on my side in this one, because there'll also just be another one of me demanding more out of movies and you saying, but it's heartwarming and nice. No. Because this goes so far uh... beyond just being, like, middle of the road and boring yeah it's aggressively bad oh it is aggressively bad i um there were some parts that were just not even really watchable yeah all right we're, we keep getting off track and just complaining about the movie in general but let's complain about it specifically again so she gets fired for being assaulted and then he gives a big like pro britain speech and like hey we're not gonna get bullied and he does that not because of any policy matter, but because the president, like, attacked what he thinks is his woman. That's that's my property. How yeah. dare you touch her? She belongs to me. <sighs> so they cause an international incident because the prime minister's, like, fragile masculinity is hurt that the, pri- the president attacked a woman that he wanted to attack. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, he never said he wanted to attack her. No, but he takes personal offense that the president is with her in any sort of way. Right. And not because, like, not offense in the way that he should of, like, how dare you think that you can just come in here and do that? Yes. But more like, how dare you do that to someone who belongs to me? Because she is mine. And he later just... Because they don't have any sort of real interaction that would make you think they're in love. No. They don't really have much interaction at They all. have some, like, flirty moments, but I, I, I don't think that that is, like, her inviting him to love her forever. But that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So after we get a very painful dance sequence by Hugh Grant. Oh, I liked it. You liked it? If I was oh. prime minister, I would totally dance around Downing Street. You would dance around to no music. There's no music playing. Yeah, there was. There's music playing when he's in his bedroom oh. at the beginning. He goes downstairs, keeps dancing. It's been several minutes by now. And then he sees someone there and then just stops. And we find out there wasn't any music. That was all just in his head. Oh, so he's crazy. No, he's just like singing a song in his head and dancing to it. I mean, he might be crazy. I don't know. But that was, I thought that was very painful to watch. Hugh Grant 
dancing is uh, not the sexiest thing around. <laughs> but I thought Hugh Grant was like the sexiest man ever. Yeah, what's his appeal? Do you find him? He's like handsome, I guess. But I wouldn't say that he's like. But handsome in kind of like a, a schlubby, approachable way, right? Yeah, like a. Sh- he's like an aw like shucks handsome. Approachable dad kind of way. I think he's very much like your friend's cute dad. I don't think he's like heartthrob, like a hundred thousand women are screaming at him, like as right. he enters a building. Like, I and just, I guess this is him. I don't see it later in his career, yes. so maybe his uh, his heartthrob days are a little little behind. Yeah. I don't know. I never saw his appeal as much as a lot of people do. What's a good Hugh Grant movie? He must have done some things to earn all this goodwill because we're very forgiving of a lot of terrible movies he's done it's very true um he was in four weddings and a funeral Notting hill aren't those terrible too yeah you know what was good i think about a boy was good wasn't it about a boy yeah uh i remember liking that i think bridget jones's diary i kind of liked him in bridget jones's diary i hope we do bridget jones on this because i feel like you might like it, and I've never seen it, but I feel like I will not. <laughs> and I think it might be very similar to why I don't like Love Actually. Okay. Okay. Well, he has been in quite a few big movies. So this movie also says that it's okay to track down one of your employees and show up at her house and demand her love. Also, how does he not know her address? He's the prime minister. I feel like he could get her yeah, address. Yeah, he has to be like an HR department. Yeah. He should be able to. He doesn't have to. You're like... the most powerful man in the country, or yeah. after the royals, at least. You should be able to get the address of one of your employees. Especially because she works in your house. Yeah. And But what is the big turning point that makes him go love her now? She writes him a card oh, yes. that says, actually, I'm yours. Or I'm actually yours. Yeah. That's weird. Progress like professes her love to this man who's like she's never had a conversation not, about actually liking. Not love so much as ownership. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what the issue was. Like, wait, you belong to the president now? Now I'm angry. I thought you belonged to me. And now she says, No, I belong to you. And he's like, All right, cool. I'm into it now. Let's be together forever. Yes. And then he goes over there. Um, the family won't give them any privacy and, uh, yeah, now they're in love. Forever and ever. Yep. I did think there's maybe like four actually funny parts of this movie. And I think one of them was then when he's knocking on doors and it's a bunch of little girls. Oh, and that was say, a good scene. Are you caroling? Saying, yeah. And the Easter, and he goes, okay, fine. Yeah, I'll sing a song, which is silly, but I liked it. I thought that was funny. Yeah. And then his bodyguard guy is a great singer. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. His reaction to that was really yeah. good. I legitimately a, like laughed Like a normal person reaction yeah. when you're like, okay, sing with me, sing with me. And then all of a sudden they have like a like Broadway level voice and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That was funny, and I liked when they were driving in the car with Natalie and her little niece or what have you. Oh, or the octopus? Is dressed as an octopus between yeah. the two of them. That was funny as well. That fun. was very funny. And uh, another, like, true life situation. I find this movie is, like, way more likable in the parts that are just, like, situations that could happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, being stuck in the car with a child and, like... Finding out that your friend's a really good singer and, like, being shocked by it. Yeah, and those little moments of humanity are just too 
few and far between. Yes, because everything else is like 900% not something that would happen. Yeah. So let's talk about another one of the storylines of Harry, Karen, and Mia. I have no idea who those people are. Uh, Professor Snape, Emma Thompson, and the sexy secretary. Oh, you mean Hans Gruber, Beatrice, and that sexy secretary? Yes. <laughs> so again, some great actors. Yes, like you have, really um, good actors. Alan Rickman, who most people know as Hans Gruber or Professor Snape. Snape. <laughs> we have a lot of Harry Potter people because Emma Thompson, what was her role in Harry Potter? She oh, is she... that professor with the frizzy hair and stuff. Oh, yes, yeah, she's Professor Trelawney. And Emma Thompson... This one hurts me because she is... She's a gem. She's gold. I love Emma Thompson. Yeah. My first introduction to her was in uh, Much Do About Nothing because I did a production of that when I was in high school. And I thought she was great. And I've watched so much of her stuff. And she is so good. And I... It's not like she was bad in this, but I did hate her character in this. Yeah. I I hate pretty much every character in this. They're just so stereotypical to the point where they're like not even real people anymore. And she is just a housewife who lost her career, is dissatisfied in her marriage, and whose husband is cheating on her. But she's also, like, a dick. Yes. To other people for no reason. True. We'll get into all of that. But, yeah, let's talk about uh, the Hans Gruber office situation. So Hans Gruber works at this office, and his much younger secretary is so into him. Like, why? What has he done... It's not like he is some millionaire. It's not like he's been especially charming to her. It's not like he's helped her in any way. He just exists. He does. Because that's what this movie says. Like, men, you said to be near a woman and they will just be dying to have sex with you. Yes. Because that's exactly what happens. That is not how it works. (laughs) They're saying some 50-year-old British man isn't just who works in an office. Everyone's not just dying to have sex with them. I, uh, as the female perspective on this podcast, (laughs) I'm going to tell you no. (laughs) That is not how it works. Uh, It takes a little more than that. So yes, Mia, the sexy secretary, mm-hmm. who isn't actually that good looking. Did you find her like overly attractive? No, but I think it's not. She doesn't have to be. It's just about they would jump between like Emma Thompson taking off her clothes and she's wearing this long full length slip. And then they go to the secretary getting undressed and she's wearing like a red matching bra and underwear set. So then we know that like, oh, she's sexy. <laughs> she's sexy and she's young and she's totally into him. And that's all that really matters. It's very strange. Um, I want to know what store uh, Rowan Atkinson works at because I want all my presents this Christmas wrapped by him. Yeah. Yeah, that was a frustrating <laughs> scene, but I also like just to see him doing his, his funny so stuff. Funny. He he's does good physical work always. He does. Yeah. And all of his facial expressions and everything and like you really get just how frustrating he's being mm-hmm. and how it, he like do you think he knows how frustrating he's being? His character? Yeah. I don't know if he knows and revels in it or he's just I think he's completely oblivious to everyone else outside of his own work. And he's just very focused on his job. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, this is what I do. It's Rowan Atkinson's time to shine. <laughs> it's me time. <laughs> yeah. So the plot of this story is uh, Hans Gruber works at an office. His secretary is really into him for no reason at all. And he is kind of conflicted at first of like, oh, should I do something here? No, of course not. But then he buys her this gold necklace Emma Thompson finds out and is very sad. 
Yes. Is that about right? Yes. In the end, does something... Are they together at the end? Emma Thompson and... It seems like he went away for a month. He went away for a month, but then when he comes back, they kind of coldly kiss on the cheeks and say like oh nice to see you again so i wonder if they're are they just divorced now but it was only a month yeah but maybe it was like we're done beat it (laughs) um maybe he came home to figure things out with her Mm -hmm. divorce wise or like if they're gonna stay together or maybe he took a cooling off time so that she could have some space maybe i don't know and i wish they said something more yeah i wish it was a little more obvious so In that situation, though, of course, he has done something bad and he's kind of emotionally cheated on her by buying this gift. I don't think that's something that's that you can't reconcile. I feel like if they were to just talk about it, they could get past this because they both seem like pretty normal people. Yeah. Nobody's like overly irrational or anything in the situation. So why wouldn't they be like, hey, let's talk about this. Hey, let's go see a counselor or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what in, happens in the end there. So that kind of there's is like weird. way worse things happening in this movie. Yes, than like than him buying a gift for a secretary. Yeah, I mean the gift was a little personal, but yeah, and he was doing that because of this sexual attraction. It's not yes. like he was doing this out of professional courtesy. No, so he's doing something wrong. But I just don't think it's something that you could throw away this marriage. Especially if they have two kids. Yeah. And, it's bad, but it's something they can get past, I would think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, they think they just need to like... And maybe that's what's happening. Maybe he went away so she could really figure out how she feels about it. And now they're going to like have a big conversation and get back together. Maybe. There was a made-for-TV sequel for this movie. I wonder if that answers those questions. Really? Yeah, it was called Red Nose Day, actually. No, that can't be right. Something like that. But there is, <laughs> there is a sequel. I'm not going to watch it, so I don't care. Remember when they go to the party and the sexy secretary dances with him? Yes. Why is she dressed like a devil? (laughs) Other than for what's the opposite of symbolism? Because you're just saying it. (laughs) The least symbolic symbolism ever. Uh, Really, really obvious. Yeah. It's a Christmas party and she's wearing devil horns, no? Yeah. You know, Christmas devil. Oh, right. The Christmas devil. Gotcha. Maybe she's dressed as sexy Krampus. I guess. It's not a a Halloween party. No. And why is she... She's wearing this, like, backless dress with crystal, like, straps and everything. Like, that doesn't seem appropriate. There's this one shot where it's over his shoulder and he's looking down at her and she's in her chair at her desk. Mm -hmm. And she just leans forward and spreads her legs to him. This director grosses me out because he thinks like, yeah, this is what women do. All right. I can just picture this director. I don't even know who the writers and directors are, but both of them are creeps. Uh, It's one guy. There you go. He's a creep. Richard Curtis. I bet he just does a bunch of movies like this, I'm guessing. Um, He did... Uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, Bridget Jones's Diary, Love Actually, About Time, and War Horse. Oh, lots of uh, Hugh Grant stuff and mm-hmm. War Horse, and which I never saw. I always thought the horse should talk in that movie, though. I don't no, think I he does. I haven't seen it. It's about this horse that's in war. Oh, okay. He used to write for Mr. Bean, too. Oh, that's probably his best work because Mr. Bean is gold. It is gold. We should watch Holds Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean Christmas. Let's watch all of it. Sure. Start to finish. Okay. Okay. Perfect. 
got our next couple weeks planned. So are you done with this plot line? I think we have to be. I really can't say anything else Moving about on, it. Moving on. We have 19 more to get to. Okay. The next one, let's talk about Jamie and Aurelia. So Colin Firth and his non-English or French-speaking girlfriend. Oh, yeah. This one, again, rough. Yeah. Very rough. There's a few storylines that aren't so terrible, but this one is quite terrible, too. So Colin Firth loves his wife or girlfriend, whoever she is, at the beginning. And we know this because he says, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I love you so much. And he comes back into the room and says, did I tell you I, I, love you? I love you? I love you so much. I am a good guy. I'm Colin Firth. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah, everyone out there, you're safe. You're safe. It's me, Colin Firth. And I'm not going to do anything bad. But, of course, then he comes back and his girlfriend or wife is sleeping with his brother. And we know this because she, like all people do, said, come back into the room and have sex with me. I want to have sex with you six more times before my husband comes home. I think she, just she shouts said it two, up. but... But she just says all of this. Yes. She says, I love cheating. That's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I feel like that's worse than buying a necklace for your secretary. Oh, you think sleeping with someone's brother is worse than buying a necklace? Yes. Huh. That's a hot take, but I think I might be with you. <laughs> it's controversial, I know. So that's just the first, like, ten minutes of their story. And then he withdraws to France? Yes. To work on his novel because he's a crime novelist, I guess. I guess so. And he has a housekeeper yeah who is portuguese and can't speak french or english but that doesn't stop them because love is the universal language or looking at someone's butt when they have to take off their clothes is the universal language because that's really what he falls in love with it's nothing about her character no because they've never had a conversation no like a proper conversation like he must have just pointed at things and she must have just pointed at things. I hate this in movies when uh, if someone can't speak your language, don't go off and have like a big long conversation. Like simplify. It's true. They both spoke in like full thoughts and sentences yeah. in their own language. They're not even trying to communicate. No. Because I've had to speak with a lot of people where we don't share a yes. language and you can get by. Absolutely. This though, they're just like, oh, so you know what I think is uh, maybe for dinner I'd like uh, a croque monsieur perhaps. That would be interesting. I had one one time when I was six and let me tell you about it. And you don't talk like that to someone who can't speak the same language no. as you. No. So like... This one was the one that I had a really hard time believing that they'd actually, like, have a relationship because they never had a full conversation. They were never really talking about the same thing. And he just drops her off at home every day. Yeah, at first they don't seem like they like each other. No. But then she has to jump into a lake to save his papers. And then Colin Firth sees her in her underwear so, of course, that's all you need, because a lower back tattoo equals love. Oh, is that what it means? Well, there was a really long lingering shot of it, because, again, this director's a creep, and it just pans up and down on her butt and everything. All the time. Over and over. So he learns Portuguese. Oh, yeah, so then he has to go home. He learns Portuguese in two weeks? Yeah, about that. And they say, I think they say this to each other, but, of course, they can't understand it. He says, like, oh, leaving you or driving you home is the best part of my day. Why? 
You're just sitting silently in a car. With someone that you can't even speak to. Yeah. And it was never played like they were into each other at all until he sees her near naked. And that's all that matters. And then he's in love with her forever. But Figs' physical proximity is really what initiates love. So then we should all be in love with, like, our coworkers because we're in physical proximity with them all the time. Well, that's what happens in this world. <laughs> so then he's at home and he goes to Christmas dinner or something like that at his family's house. He opens the door, looks at everyone, goes, all right, I'm leaving. And just leaves to go find his, uh, to fly to France and find his Portuguese soon-to-be wife. Yes. But that was one of the other actual moments, humorous yeah. moments when... The kids go, I hate Uncle Jamie. Uncle Jamie's the worst. And rightfully so. What yes. an asshole move. Yeah. To just come over for Christmas dinner and look at everyone and just like, ah, fuck this. I'm going to France. He like drops the presents and leaves. Yeah. Okay, bye. What a dick. <laughs> what a no wonder dick. your wife cheated on you. Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a little harsh, but okay. Also, he's probably falling in love with every girl that he sees. So maybe he was a part of the problem too. Because he does fall in love with every girl he sees. So this is another one where the man shows up unannounced and just assumes that she wants the same thing as him. Yes, this movie has tons of men having terrible, terrible, creepy, borderline illegal plans carrying them out and then women just being totally into it oh it's it's really sad (laughs) so never had a conversation shows up at her home talks to her father and says like oh i'm gonna marry your daughter now where is she let's get a mob together he goes with this giant mob of like 30 people to her workplace yes not cool no don't do that to someone i feel like so embarrassing there's going to be all sorts of uh, young boys and girls watching this movie and be like, ah, romance. No, don't do these Not things. Not romance. It is creepy. It is wrong. Have conversations with people. Consent applies in this situation. <laughs> yes. Oh, But of course, if you had a mob of people and came to someone's work, she's totally into it. It's like, yeah, I will marry you. Also, I speak English now because it's yeah. been two weeks. I learned it. I'd be like, Indy, can we talk about this later, please? <laughs> I'm fucking working. I'm in the middle of something This here. is my job. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know you. You're my employer. Yeah. And you ogled me in my underwear. This isn't cool. No, no, that is non-consensual. But again, uh, women are into whatever guys want in this world. So she's into it and they get married. The end. The end. Terrible. Should we move on to the next one? I guess. Because if I just keep talking about what's not good about any particular storyline, I just am telling you what happens in it. I don't even have an argument to make about this is why this is bad. It should be to the point of if I say what happens in this, you should all be able to say like, yeah, that's not good that is not good writing this is a bad movie so let's talk about billy mack and joe oh yeah so billy mack is played by bill nighy who was in all sorts of great stuff like he was in harry potter too but he also did um hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead and lots of older stuff that i probably can't even remember this one is the least offensive i think yeah pretty much one of the less offensive ones i mean consensually yes but i think he's still like a creepy gross old man sure so uh lead him through how this plot works so he is um billy mack is a 
former pop star, I guess. Yeah, he's some rock washed star. up rocker or something. Yeah. And he um, re-records probably what I'm assuming was his greatest hit called Love is All Around. Yeah, which was a bad song. And then they replaced it with Christmas and now it's still a bad song. Yes. And uh, he records a video and plays it live on television. And he's just like crass and gross and rude and somehow ends up with the number one Christmas single. Is that a thing? I think that's actually a thing in England. That it's like a, who's going to have the number one this year? But maybe that's something I just learned from this movie. I thought it was actually a thing. And you just think it's a real thing now. Maybe. But either way, what I kind of liked about it is that he was just a dick, but it wasn't played that that's sweet and romantic. Mm -hmm. It was him going like, hey, this song's stupid, but buy it anyways. And everyone's like having a bad reaction to him. And he's like, yeah, I know. I don't care. I really don't care. So at least the people in that storyline were honest. And when someone was an asshole, it was played like they're an asshole. Yes. It's not played like, oh, that's so charming. And it has one of the few moments that there's an actual relationship yes. that I can get behind. And Maybe the only, one of the only two. It's perhaps. like a very genuine moment between two people who realize that they're like best friends. Yeah. So it's him and his manager. Joe. Who he also calls fat very often. Like all the time. Like seven or eight times. Like and calls him ugly a bunch of times too. Anytime he refers to his manager, it's in some really derogatory... My fat, ugly manager. Yeah. My human shit sack of a manager over there. Yeah, and I don't understand why he has to talk about him like that. This man is clearly doing everything for him. But at least in this story, he changes that and goes back to him and says, like, you know what? You're my best friend. I love you. And that's nice. Yeah. Unlike Hugh Grant, who was constantly calling Natalie fat. And then at the end, when they reunite at an airport, she like jumps on him and he's like, gosh, you weigh a lot or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which, not cool, dude. No, not don't, cool. Don't do that. Um, And then Billy Mac and Joe celebrate Christmas by getting drunk and watching porn. Yeah. Is that... I've heard this reference in many movies of... Men who are supposed to take are heterosexual and don't have any sort of relationship like that with each other, but they hang out and watch porno together? Is that a thing guys do? It's not a thing I've heard of anyone doing, okay. but I see it in a lot of movies. So if you do this, write into us, let us know. <laughs> let us know. Because I have so many questions so about how awkward that would be. Yeah. Do you just excuse yourself? Oh, let's not. Let's... <laughs> Let's move on. Are we done with the Bill Nighy? I think so. It's probably one that takes up a lot of time, but really there's not much that goes on. Um, it's the like one of the one like one of the few storylines in this that really um make you know it's Christmas because he's doing like a Christmas song and he's in Christmas places yeah. and sets and everything. So it really kind of it sets the tone for the movie that it's a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas everyone else is kind of going about their lives and stuff. And unless there's like a Christmas party or a Christmas play, you don't really know it's Christmas in those storylines. Right. At the end when they say that they're best friends, I really wanted them to kiss. I thought they were going to. You did. You yelled kiss. Kiss, kiss. Because I just wanted one romantic relationship to be, to be one that I could kind of root for. Because all the other ones, I'm like, ooh, you shouldn't be together. This is weird. But this one, if they got together, I would be really happy for them. Yeah. And I think it's really nice that they were like, 
I've spent most of my adult life with you. Yeah. We're like soulmates. Yeah, that was sweet. Best friends soulmates. So, should we move on and talk about Juliet, Peter, and Mark? Who are they? Uh, Kira Knightley, Andrew Lincoln, and Chuetel Ejiofor. I can never know how to pronounce his name. But so many letters. He's a uh, really talented actor. He was he in is. like 12 Years a Slave, was probably the one that most yeah. people know him for. He was fantastic. He doesn't have much to do in this movie, so he's fine. Um, this one... Maybe the creepiest? Definitely the creepiest. I don't know if the most problematic or not, but... Well, I guess we should explain the storyline. Yes. Do you want to go for it? So, um, what are their names? What's Knightley's name? Juliet. So Juliet and Peter are getting married. And Peter has a best friend named... Mark. Mark. Mark is an asshole to the new bride. And we find out, oh, it's not because he's an asshole. It's because he loves her in a real creepy way. Does he love her because they spent time together and they grew this bond? No, no, not at all. He just watches her from afar Mm -hmm. and records video. And that's what love is. So this relationship is like the equivalent to when like, Someone hits someone else on the playground, and the mom says, it's because he likes you, sweetie. Again, this is not okay. No, it's because he's a little asshole it's and because to like he's grown up watching movies like this and yes. he thinks that this is how men can express themselves is just by just, being assholes. Yes. And that's cute. But he stops doing that and instead does it in way worse ways. This storyline, if you put like a John Carpenter score under it. It would be so much better because this is a horror movie storyline. Oh, yeah. No, this is like creepy stalker, best friend. He's going to murder Peter and just assume his life. Yes. Yeah. There isn't good wedding footage. So Juliet goes and gets the footage that Mark was shooting. And it's all creepy close-ups of her. Of her. And she is, you would think, terrified, wants to run, creeped out. No, she's flattered. She loves it. That's nice. I look so good in it. Yeah. It's wrong in so many ways because it's it's teaching men that, yeah, you should do this. And it's teaching women, this is a cool thing if a guy does this for you. If he records a video of you when you're not paying attention, that is sweet. It's not. Don't do that. Hey, everyone out there, don't do that. If you're going to take videotape of a wedding, videotape both people getting married. Yes. Especially if they're supposed to be your best friend. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, what about his relationship with his best friend? This is a terrible thing that he does. Mm -hmm. And he just does not care. And let's go to what's widely regarded as the most romantic romantic scene scene in this movie, which I think was dying to have the theme from Halloween put under it. Oh, that would be so good. Uh, So Mark goes to Juliet and Peter's house, and Juliet answers the door, and Mark says, shh, don't say anything. No, he holds up a sign that just says, tell him it's carolers. That is what someone does when they're robbing a bank or getting ready to murder someone. Yes. It's like you slide over a poster and say, don't do anything. Don't call the police. If someone gives you a note telling you not to say that they are there, it's because they're trying to kidnap you. Yes. Tell someone that they are there. Or murder you. So he goes through cue cards that basically say, I love you. Yes. Let's be together forever. 
Merry Christmas. Yeah. Just that light seasonal greeting. And she is newly married. Uh, this just happened out of nowhere. So you'd think what she would run and tell her husband? Would she call the police? Would she say, like, I haven't done anything to give you this impression. Stay away from me. Yes. That's probably what she does, right? No. Well, she uh, she runs after him in the street and kisses him and then just goes back to her husband. Why? Why would she do that? Like, I definitely don't want to put anything on Kira Knightley's character saying that it's her fault because she's the victim of this. But if you run after him and kiss him, yeah. you're kind of saying like, yeah, this is cool. So this is the third man in this movie who just shows up at a woman's house and expects her to fall in love with him. And it's the third time that the woman is absolutely, I'm into this. Yes. That's fucked up. It's absolutely crazy. If a man, even if he is your husband's best friend, shows up at your door and demands your feelings, just close the door and call the police. I think if anyone does, but especially in that case. Yes. Like, the husband should be very angry about this because this is my best friend and this is what he's doing? Yeah. That's terrible. And how close is this uh, new marriage anyway? Because they don't seem like they're on the same page because this kind of stuff is going on weeks after the wedding weeks after the wedding you're supposed to still be in the bubble yeah you shouldn't be going out and kissing stalkers after getting married yeah really don't go kiss stalkers anytime just don't do it yeah and one more thing right (laughs) at the beginning the introduction we have of these two characters is at their wedding but the two male best friends do you remember what they're talking about uh oh i they're talking about hey remember that time we got those prostitutes and then they turned out to be men and they're like oh i wish they didn't turn out to be men though ha 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 so it's like double of like yeah just going and getting a prostitute with your buddy that's a cool thing to do that's fine no problems there and then also but like oh but you know how transsexual people are they're trying to trick men all the time not a thing that happens no no i think if you're getting a like prostitute who's a man you you're looking for a prostitute you're looking for something very specific yeah and you know what go for it if you're into men be into men but then there's another part where some random person goes like oh do you love him and he's like what no i'm not gay that's the worst thing ever Mm -hmm. i am going to creepily take video of the bride though because that's cool right and then the movie says yes that is cool that's fine and you'll get as long as you're not gay yeah better not be gay right you're not gay okay yeah you can be a creepy stalker as long as it's for a woman that's uh, a nice lesson from this movie that's a nice lesson but you'd think in a movie that has 45 romantic storylines you'd get like one gay couple in there like statistically there should be yeah i bet that because they had this one interracial marriage the uh the writer was like high-fiving himself and he's like fuck i'm so progressive oh look at me oh just knocking down doors i'm (laughs) fucking brilliant this writer oh what's his name again it doesn't matter he's the worst i hate him um, so let's talk about Daniel, Sam, Joanna, and Carol. Who are they? Uh, Liam Neeson, Thomas oh, right. Sangster, Olivia Olsen, and Claudia Schiffer. <sighs> so, Liam Neeson, we get to introduce to him that his wife just died. Yes. And he calls his sister, Emma Thompson, and is like, you know, it's really hard time. My wife just died. 
and she... Uh, Karen's uh, his friend. Oh, that's just not a, his sister. Just a good okay, friend. he yeah. calls his good friend Emma Thompson and says, my wife just died. I'm so, so sad about it. And she's like, well, you're not going to get fucked if you're crying all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want to hear when it's you're grieving. Like the day after the funeral? It's the week of, for sure. That's that's so mean so mean that's so mean that's why i'm saying like emma thompson a victim in her own her own right is also an asshole in this movie sorry best friend that you're going through this hard time but uh you should really stop crying so that you can get laid yeah because that's what matters that's what matters and then his son stepson stepson yep so I thought there was a good opportunity there. And it starts off like that. Yes. That he is the stepfather and never really bonded with his yes. son. And they're going to have to like work together and get through this together. That's a great premise. It is. How it comes about is terrible. Yeah. I'd love to watch that. That's a good movie. Yeah. And both of those actors, they could do that if they and had Emma a decent Thompson script. could be in it. And she could be a supportive friend. Oh. And just give advice. What a Not just be an asshole. Um, but the son is into some woman, woman, a 10-year-old girl. Named Joanna. Oh, they're both 10 years old. They do not look like the same no, age. No, they don't. He looks like he's like seven years old. Yeah. And she he's seven like she's and she's 15. 17. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. And also an extra weird layer that's unnecessary is Joanna is his dead mom's name too. Yes. That is weird. It's very strange. So he loves her. Is it because of great times they've shared together is it because she was especially kind to him in a hard time in his life no it's because she's pretty yeah yeah so if you're pretty men will just fall in love with you for no reason yeah even if you're grotesque and fat like natalie oh natalie (laughs) (laughs) sam the son Mm -hmm. learns to play drums in two weeks that he can play in joanna's band yeah because that's how you win a girl and they specifically say this, like, don't go talk to her. Uh, I've seen rock stars and girls like that. So just learn to play the drums. Yeah. You don't need to talk to her no. ever. No, you you just need to do something cool and she'll love yeah. you forever. And yeah, also kind of works. Yeah. Uh, all these terrible plans and then they all work. So this is the fourth guy in this movie yes. who shows up and uh, demands love. Yeah. And the fourth time. That the woman is totally into it. Totally into it. Also, how can you guess this movie's written by a man? Right. Huh? Also, you can't just run past security in an airport. Why doesn't that kid get shot? Right. It's after uh, 9/11. Yeah, because we talk about it in the movie. 2003. What's more romantic than that? If anything, like airport security was at its harshest at this point yeah because... this is london they're in heathrow right that's yes. i've been through that airport it's like not easy just two years after and apparently he can just duck through the metal detector outrun some security guards yeah those security guards are very slow they should be able to catch a seven-year-old boy yes go straight to the gate mm-hmm. and fly... and then sneak me in through that one too yes yeah this is absolutely ridiculous, and he would totally be on a no-fly list forever. Yeah, that kid's going to jail. He's getting federally <laughs> charged. <laughs> but yet, she's like, oh, yeah, I know you. I'm totally into it. And do they kiss? No, she kisses him on the cheek. Okay, good. Cause... But still, she kisses him on the cheek. So she's like, yeah, I'm totally into this, too. Fourth one. So there was a joke about, like, oh, I can remarry Claudia Schiffer. And then what happens? 
he gets together with Claudia Schiffer. Yes. And not like Claudia Schiffer playing someone. She's just Claudia Schiffer. No, Carol is the mother of one of Sam's school friends. Oh. But she's they, not actually Claudia Schiffer. But they talk about Claudia Schiffer. Yes, they do. And Claudia Schiffer's in it. Yes. But she's not playing Claudia no, Schiffer. No, she plays Carol. You see how that could be confusing. A very confusing. <laughs> the only reason I know that she's not actually Claudia Schiffer is because I'm reading the Wikipedia page. Oh, I just thought Claudia Schiffer also had a kid in that school. Because <laughs> she, she's there. She's in the movie. Yes. Um, no, she's just some random mom. Okay. Who just happens to also be the same person that his wife was that okay with. That is her, with. right? Yeah. Okay. His wife was like, it's the only woman his wife was okay with him dating. Yeah. And as we've learned from everything else in this movie, he's a man and he's into her and she is present. So she's going to be into him. <laughs> she's awake. Yeah. I bet that wouldn't even be a prerequisite for these stories. Well, should we move on to Sarah, Carl, and Michael? Who are they? Uh, Laura Linney, Rodrigo Santoro, and Michael, her mentally ill brother. Right, right, right. This one is weird, but in different ways, so that's something. Yeah. Laura Linney seems like a nice person. It is sad. It's a very sad storyline because it's dealing with mental health. In a weird In a way. very weird way. But one good thing about this, I think we could say that both of the characters in this love interest are into each other, and they're both nice people. So that's something. Yeah, he doesn't do anything, like, overtly gross. He doesn't um, come on to her in, like, a really crazy way. No, if anything, she's the one that's more the pursuer, I would say. I'd say the boss is the gross one. <gasps> yeah, the, okay, yes. So this I is think set Professor up Professor Snape just being like, well, ha- why haven't you gone out with him yet? So it's an office, the same office that Snape was in earlier. He's the boss. Laura Linney and uh, Carl are his employee. And the one like real exotic person. What's his name? Carl. Carl. <laughs> Maybe that <laughs> with is a, a K. Tr- okay. That's kind He's of He's Italian? assuming so but anyway um she's really into carl but carl we don't get any insight into him we barely even meet carl the boss uh hans gruber is just saying like go get him everyone knows everyone knows you want to fuck this dude why don't you just fuck him that's not all right for bosses where is hr in this office oh man because this man is also, like, wanting to have sex with his secretary. Yeah. So let's, let's well, just get a little secretary HR that stuff. That one dude, Colin, walks in and says, like, hello, future wife. Yeah. Don't say that to anyone unless it is your fiancé. Or someone that you have seriously discussed marriage <laughs> yes. with. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it is not someone that you've never met. Exactly. But tangent. Yeah. So then we think that, oh, maybe they'll get together. Or Laura Linney definitely has a crush on Carl. But then the nice thing is they kind of get together and Carl's into it too. So we think like, oh, well, this is just a nice conflict-free one where two people like each other. But then she keeps getting calls from her mentally ill brother who needs an exorcism, he believes. And it's kind of played as a joke at first, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. You don't really know who she's talking to at the beginning of the movie because she calls him darling and, and like, doesn't really refer to the fact that she's talking to, like, what is essentially a grown man. Maybe because he's mentally ill, he's mm-hmm. more of a child. But um, I also think that if he's already in 
an institution? Is that where he is? Yeah, something like I that. I feel like the staff should be, like, handling that a little a better. A little better. Does he just have free reign on the phone? Yeah. Because he's calling a lot. Yeah. You'd think that, like, the point of getting him help and putting him in this institution is so that she doesn't have to be the primary caretaker anymore. Yeah. And so that he can attempt to, like, recover. And she can live her life. Yeah, but she's not. No, and this is, oh, now I look at this one, it's like, oh, this is another one where a woman just drops whatever for a man, but it's her brother instead of a romantic interest. I think this is a little different. It is, but it comes down to that again. It does, yeah. In this one, you can at least get on board on Laura Linney's side because she's doing what she thinks is right. Yes. So Because they don't have parents and they've both moved to London to work slash live slash get better. Yeah. And uh, it's very... Uh, this is a very depressing storyline. But they really made it like she had to choose between the two. She doesn't. No. She could be with Carl and take care of her brother. Yeah, she just has to talk to Carl about it. Yeah. You could solve this problem. By speaking? Yeah. How does it end? Does it end with, like, Carl and her don't get together and she's just going to go with her brother? I think she just continues on with her life. She's the only one that isn't really featured in the ending, I think. Not that I remember, but there's so many characters, it's hard. There was that one scene that I really liked where... Um, she gets Carl to come back to her house with her and she goes, oh, just give me 10 seconds. And she goes around the wall and does like a little happy dance and then comes back out. I thought that was sweet. Laura Lenny's sweet. Yeah, it makes me really sad that she is the only one who's not mentioned in the ending. Yeah, she doesn't get a happy ending. No, she's just in her life where we left her, Mm -hmm. which is sad. Not with Carl. Not with Carl. So do you want to talk about John and Judy? I think I remember which ones they are because that is the one that takes place on a porn set. Yes, Martin Freeman and Joanna Page. I don't are know her, but I like professional stand-ins. Yeah, I like Martin Freeman. He did. Um, he also was in Hot Fuzz and uh, Shaun of the Dead, like Bill Nighy. Oh. And then he was also in like Black Panther. Remember, he yes, was like I like him in Black Panther. Actually, he's good. I like him. I don't know her, but so this one is. A funny concept. I actually like the um, the idea that they're stand-ins on a porn set and they're doing these really intimate things, but then they're still really shy to just ask each other out for coffee. Yeah. I think just, that's a good setup. I like that. Like, no one you haven't met before, and you're, like, like, making it seem like you're giving this person you've never actually met before, like, oral sex, mm-hmm. and they're like, so, uh, you know, traffic was bad today. <laughs> If you're wondering if this beloved Christmas classic has simulated fellatio, it does. Yes. Um, So I think this was the most innocent of all the stories because they kind of come into liking each other at the same time and in the same way. Yeah, the one that's on a porn set is by far the most innocent of Wholesome. all of these. It really is. Yeah. I just... like them. I thought they were charming together. This is the one that I have least issue with. Yeah. And it takes place with um, both of them naked half the time. Mostly naked. Yeah. They were both actually very naked. Yeah. Um, what kind of big budget porn has stand-ins? Oh, it's a sex scene for a film. The things that they were doing, I don't see a lot of, like, just straightforward <laughs> movies that have Very that. Very true. I feel like that was like it's a just porn. just a porn. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Big budget. I guess. 
not that straight to DVD stuff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's where Samantha gets all of her pornography. DVDs. DVDs. It's funny. I don't have a whole lot to say about this one because no. I liked both of them. I thought uh, it was kind of funny how they met. It's a cute story. Yeah, it's maybe like a silly concept, but yeah. it was cute. It was funny. I hated this one maybe the least. And that's saying something. So it's not like it was great, but it was realistic in that I love that they portrayed them like, oh, I don't know. This is a little, it's a little scary and how nervous they were yeah. to like go for coffee. And then they did and they fell in love. And they fell in love by going and doing something together, talking about it. Yeah. And we assume that in the meantime in the movie that they just have been dating this whole time in a normal way. Yeah. And then they fall in love and they get married? Uh, yes. They're and they're on their honeymoon. On their the honeymoon or they're leaving on their honeymoon. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that was nice. Yeah, it was very sweet. And uh, I, I liked this story a lot, but it didn't seem to fit with all the other stories. No. So we're we're at our last storyline here. Last and maybe least. Uh, Colin, Tony, and the American Girls. So I remember this one because it just made me angry in so many different ways. So we have Colin, who is like a gross creep. Gross creep is probably the best word for it. Yeah, he's a terrible person. He's also like really gross and just like wiping stuff on himself. He's just as unattractive as he could be. That's how it's played. Like he's yes. just really gross. So his plan is, wow, no British girls like me because he's because gross you're creep. Creepy and disgusting. Although everyone else is a creep in this movie, but he's a gross creep. He's gross so that's creep. different. Yeah, not everyone's. He's not attractive. Yeah, not everyone's gross. If you're a handsome creep, it's cool. Yeah, and then you get the girl. Yeah, but also if you're a gross creep, you go to the United States and you get the girl. Yes, and everyone thinks British accents are so cute. So his plan was like, well, I'll just go to the United States, and everyone there is gonna wanna bang me. And, again, here's a man, terrible, terrible idea. Don't perpetuate this kind of thing. But then it works because all the Americans are into him. Yes, and he ends up with four, are they sisters? I think they're just all friends. They're just roommates? Yeah. So four roommates, Stacy, Jeannie, Carol Ann, and Harriet. And they're, like, big-name actresses, yes, a lot of them, too. Uh, Alicia Cuthbert, January mm. Jones. Ivana Milcevic? Probably itch if it's icy at the end. Milcevic? But, but I'm not familiar with her. Um, and Shannon Elizabeth. So yeah. these are like stars of the time who are all regarded to be very attractive women. Yes. And they're all into this gross creep. Why? Because he's there and he has an accent. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. Um, I have a big problem with these girls because um, they're just... Not even stereotypical. They just play so dumb. It's If this scene was in a different movie, it would be funny because it would be satire. Yes. But they mean it. Yes. And I don't want people going like, well, this was a joke. It's like, yeah, I get it's played for comedy, but it's not funny. It's different from it being a joke to it being satire. And it's not satire. I get that it's a joke. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's terrible. And it sets women back 20 years. 20 years? 50 years. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, so my one of the big things that I had a problem with here is they said they can't afford pajamas, but they are drinking lots of shots at the bar. Yeah. I get that that's a joke too, but 
in this movie, literally, these four women, four very attractive women, all sleep naked together in one bed. I get that it's played for laughs, but that's literally what happens in this movie. And then they say, like, hey, gross creep, you have a British accent, come have a five-way with us. And he's like, yeah, okay, cool. Because his terrible, terrible plan works. Yes. Because what needs to work for a relationship of any sort is the man needs to want it and the woman needs to be present. Yes. Those are the only two requirements. Those are the rules in Love Actually Land. Yeah. Yeah, I... And the title. It should be called, like, Love? Not really. Yeah. Who's in love in this? Love by Force. Yes, that that's a better title. Yeah. And then you'd think uh, he has this crazy trip in America, but no, he brings back an American girl with him and one for his friend. Yeah. Because then, what's her name? Denise, Denise Richards. Richards shows up and... He says, like, oh, here's my friend. And she just goes and was like, oh, hi, and just makes out with him. Yeah. Sight unseen. I've never seen this person before. And I'm Denise Richards, and you're some gross creep's friend. And, like, yeah, I'm totally into totally it. Totally Because into it. you want me, and I am here. And that's all that matters. Gross. This movie is gross. <laughs> here, this one. I know a lot of people... Uh, complain about my takes on movies a lot but yeah please complain all you want about this movie because now i have samantha on my side as well <laughs> we are united and in we this will one. defend our opinion about this movie being a piece of shit yes. not even just being like like i know i was hard on um holiday in the wild because i thought like it could be better there's things it can do to be better mm-hmm. but it's not aggressively terrible like this movie is this movie is so bad Ugh. so bad There's so many things in this movie that just, like, really are terrible. (laughs) Yes. It's not even, like, one thing. Oh, if you look at this one thing in light of some things that have happened today, it's a little questionable. It's like everything is terrible and was terrible when it came out. And it's just hidden under the guise of Christmas cheer that we're like, oh, no, it's all right now. Stalkers are cool if it's Christmas. Yes. No, it's terrible. She has no obligation to be with you just because you like her. No, apparently they do. And almost every woman in this movie is under that. If someone likes you, that's it. You're yeah. into them now. Yeah. And I guess I'm spending my life with I you because this you. this man is into Prime me. Prime Minister, any final thoughts on this uh, train wreck? Um, this movie is terrible. I hope it quickly dies as being a Christmas classic, like it's regarded. It feels like it's so close to satire. That mm. if they changed things just a little, like little bit, tweaks. it would put it over the edge and it would all be a commentary on bad romantic yes. comedies. But no, it just like, walks the line between satire and horror movie and Christmas feel-good movie. And somehow everyone seems to think it's solidly on the side of Christmas feel-good. And, and it's, it's okay. not. Yeah. yeah. This is setting up the first act of eight other Romantic comedies? Because you know how in a romantic comedy, there's a relationship that pre-exists. Yes. But the guy is terrible, and then the girl switches to be with the nice guy. The nice guy, yeah. So these this girls is, are all with the bad guy right yeah, now. Yeah, this is setting up a bunch of future romantic comedies, oh. where they realize that the person they're with 
is terrible. And in all those movies, you're like, how did she end up with him in the beginning if yeah. he's this terrible? This is how. Yeah. This movie explains all the romantic this comedies. This is like a prequel to all of these. Yes. Really I'd love feminist, to see that. good romantic comedies. I'd love to see eight movies that come from this. Yes. That treat these terrible people as terrible as they are. Yes. And then maybe the porn set couple could have like just a nice... That's Other just like the rest of their life, and we just like get to see how happy and like in love they are. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts? Ugh. I do not recommend this movie mm. unless you want to watch it through the lens that we were watching it through. And uh, just... oh, the lens of sanity? That lens? <laughs> yes, through the lens of sanity. Um, and just to kind of see just how far back this puts women mm-hmm. um, in time. So I I think there are so many better movies that you could watch. Uh, we're going to talk about a few of them next week. Yeah. And, you know, just, just maybe don't watch this one. Maybe put it away for... Ever. Ever. Forever. Put it in the garbage. Yes. That's where this belongs. This belongs in a garbage can. I think there's a reason it's not on any of the streaming services. And uh, just just don't watch it. Yeah. And if you're going to argue this, which please, please, you can, and we'll tell you how you can do that. Yes. But I know people keep going like, oh, well, you're just looking at it some feminist way. It's like, perhaps, but also we're just looking at it as people who have agency over themselves. Yes. And if you don't want to get on that wavelength with us look at it as a writer Mm -hmm. it's lazy writing at the very least and at the very worst it's it's so problematic yeah did this person not have an editor i think they had done so many big romantic comedies and were so successful whatever they wanted and i think i always argue of if we don't demand better we're gonna get worse and that's what happens when you support all these like romantic comedies where yeah there's little things wrong with it but oh well i feel good at the end and then you keep supporting those movies and then movies like love actually get made and then you're gonna have children who watch love actually every year because it's a christmas classic now if you support mediocre romantic comedies you're responsible for this like how i blame our audience yes wow Okay, well, if you want to let us know how much and why you love Love Actually. Please, tell me why it's okay. if you want to write in and tell us how correct we are about Love Actually. Because we are. You can email us at ilovethisyoushould and the number two at gmail.com. You can tweet or Instagram at us at I-L-T-Y-S and the number two. Or you can find us on Facebook at I Love This You Should 2-podcast. I am very interested to hear what everyone thinks because this is a beloved movie. Yeah, and we'll be back on Monday so you don't have a very long wait. Four days from now. And um, we are going to be talking about our favorite Christmas picks and also, I'll be introducing my Christmas movie to Samantha. I'm very excited. And I guarantee it'll be better than Love Actually. <laughs> Not a high bar. Not a high bar. Not at all. Okay, well, have a lovely continuation of your holiday season. Um, we're kind of getting into the, the main part of Christmas. So enjoy your holiday parties. Enjoy a glass of mulled wine while you think about how awful love actually is. And we will see you on Monday. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho.